episode 42 of the Metro Fed TV rundown, where we discuss the meaning of life. That's right. Lens, Fernando, and Juan back at it again after Armageddon. Did you survive, folks? Did you have fun? Well, I hope you enjoyed the 2-0 victory because we'll be breaking it down along with the trip to our, our sister club, Red Bull Philadelphia, much later in the episode. Fernando, Juan, how are you guys? Good. Very good. That was a very enjoyable win. Um, not quite the bloodbath I was hoping for, but I mean, it, it was it was a very, very decisive victory. So I'll take that. Yeah, it was my it was my first game back at Red Bull Arena since March of last year. And uh, I will say great vibes all around. Like Fernando sneaking said, in, not sneaking uh, not, into the uh, all access video as well, like I noticed this week. At the drum set, I think that was you. Oh, that was oh yeah, that was me behind the drum set. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I, I, I interjected kind of rudely there. Please. Oh no, 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 that was uh, that was our friend Stephen, oh. young young Stephen Durso behind the drums. I, uh, I I I started drumming a little bit, and I discovered that uh, my technique is really bad. So, yeah. Um, technique is a tough one. Just got to practice those paradiddles, you know. I mean, I that's found exactly that... what the problem is. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think uh, what is it? Uh, you, you, you can make up for it by playing five years of rock band too, unlike seven-year-old peripherals. I fully recommend. I mean, I, I think like it's it's legitimate now that you had like a whole bunch of people who took up like instruments just from playing that series of games. Oh myself yeah, myself included. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, it's a, perfect, a perfectly legitimate way of uh, practicing your technique if you manage to hunt down a copy now. But unfortunately, it's going to be harder than I think people realize because time is cruel and nothing is eternal. That's right. Anyway, um, <laughs> to prevent ourselves from getting into uh, too, something too existential, I suppose, let's focus the uh, attention on the visit to Red Bull Arena of a certain Christopher Armis who came over the past week uh, with Toronto FC to play the New York Red Bulls in a soccer game in Harrison, New Jersey for the first time as the manager of the Canadian team. So basically, gents, I think uh, when we were talking about the game, Aim last week, we were talking a lot about how this was basically a can't-lose match in terms of, like, the optics of it, right? I think when you put it all in context, I think this was probably one of the most pivotal early season games, all things considered. You had uh, somebody coming in, um, obviously not a very, obviously a very polarizing, to say the least, figure. <laughs> in the Red Bull universe coming back with a pretty big money team, right? A team in Toronto who have been traditionally looked at as like one of the big like marquee teams in MLS uh, in terms of, um, you know, their star profile, their wage bill, talking in how he's basically come back with a team that's built to win, right? With a shiny new DP in tow as well, you know? in comparison to us, right? Where we took in a bunch of relatively lesser known players on the bets that being fit into a system, as we know, will elevate the collective levels of talent, right? 
as a cohesive unit. And as the game transpired, you know, you know, I think after a shaky 15, 20 minutes where we basically looked like we were, <laughs> we just couldn't stop turning the ball over in our own defensive third, there was a switch, right? And basically 30 minutes on, we just absolutely annihilated them. Uh, Chris Armas had his hands on his dick. Nature healed, <laughs> right? <laughs> I would I would basically say that that was the game flow from that point onwards. Uh, so in that sense, you know, I think um, it's a it's a pretty big like win, not just in terms of uh, you know I think uh, the performance on the team, but also I guess in terms of the victory and the narrative, overcoming doubts. I think that maybe had been set on this team to start the season. Right, with all the unknown quantities coming in, and certainly a credential proving win for our manager Gerhard Schuber, right? In the way that the team managed to just completely take control of the game for 30 minutes onwards. I mean, you can make all the caveats you want about this being a team that played in midweek, but nevertheless, <clears throat> like, um, we knew that this was a team that we could beat definitely going into the um, game this last week. And we more or less proved it with a very convincing victory. So, fellas, I guess we'll talk about that first of all. Like, in terms of a narrative shift, like, how, where, and how does this place, I think, your impression of Gerhard Schuber off the backs of this uh, victory? I think, uh, I think it's interesting because a lot of people who were very, very talkative um, <clears throat> leading up and, and a lot of the Armist defenders were very, very, very quiet uh, after the game was over and have been pretty quiet since. Um, I feel like the game, I mean, look, it, it was it was a must win, right? I mean, losing would have been, even a draw would have been absolutely horrendous for multiple reasons. Um, but not just winning, but it being as decisive as it was, I think at the very least, uh maybe neutralize some of the, or brought the conversation maybe more neutral where I, I feel like a lot of skeptics, maybe you, you kind of start seeing them kind of shift to being like, okay, maybe there actually is something, you know, happening there. Um, and I think just for the fans itself, it's, it's, if we needed, you know, any more, any more proof that like there is something really happening here. Uh, it's, I feel like it's definitely that game. I think, between the last two games, there's been a very, very clear uh, shift in, in, in the team's performances and uh, not just individually, but collectively. Um, the, the it for me, what, what, what makes me laugh is kind of that, that sub narrative about, oh, well, you know, poor, poor Toronto. They had a midweek game and, you know, they weren't 100 percent. They they were missing, you know, DPs and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Suck my ass with that bullshit. Seriously, just fuck fuck off with all that bullshit. Because even without those players, that's still by far the most expensive roster in the league. And all these fucking dorks, these nerd little fucks, okay, who who insist on 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 saying that the most important thing is how expensive your roster is. Yeah, you know what? As expensive as that roster still was without Altador and and without some other players, they should have easily walked through these these young little you know these these kids these not soccer players but kids on the Red Bulls right it should have been it should have been a cakewalk for them so no that that's all bullshit to me it's nothing but excuses 
2018, we dealt with CCL and we had no problem trotting out, you know, guys like Ben Mines, who basically never played with the first team before at that, uh, uh, at that point. And, and we ro- we rolled through fucking Portland. So it, it it's, it's nonsense. It's all bullshit. Um, and I feel like people are going to try to, you know, kind of hide a little bit behind that whole excuse. But I think for us, the fans, people who, you know, who are seeing the games, uh, you know, so far all the games or whatever, I think for us, it was, it was a big message. It showed that, you know what? Yeah, there was, you know, you could probably argue that there were some roster holes in the last season and a half, but the biggest problem was in fact the manager. And, and for me, one of the most interesting thing is, one of the common fa- one of the common things we saw before Schuber was you know these tail of two halves, right? We, we we'd see the team look okay for 20, 30 minutes and they'd fall apart. We've seen a bit of a reversal. <clears throat> I feel like the last couple of games, you know, they don't look too too good at first, but there are very clear decisions being made in terms of tactics, in terms of of, of shape and and roles or whatever. And it's almost always so far like really made positive impacts. That that's great. It's great knowing that if a game doesn't, you know, if a game starts off kind of bad or on the wrong foot, I feel comfortable already knowing that we have a manager smart enough who already knows his guys well enough to make certain tweaks during a game, even before the first half ends. Because, you know, the first 25 minutes or so were a little were, were pretty sketchy. Before the first half ended, we already started seeing changes. So seeing him being proactive with that kind of stuff and not waiting until the half is great. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot that we could talk about when it comes to that game. A lot of different messages, a lot of things for a lot of different narratives and and, and whatnot. But yeah, they, it was a very, very, very positive game going into uh into the next game. Yeah, like I said previously from the last game against Chicago, like we were seeing the team uh, in an upward trajectory with how uh, the team was playing and how the the players were betting themselves in. And this is sort of the game that we expected to see. This was, I think the 2-0 scoreline actually belies the fact of how comprehensive this win was. Um, because it's not just that the system is working, right? The the plan is working, but the plans within the plans are working because we're seeing like different tactical looks throughout the game uh, between the first half and then phases of the second half. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, uh, we should... <laughs> this easily could have been a 4-0 game. We easily could have rolled Toronto. And I know that Toronto and Chicago weren't necessarily uh, good teams, uh, but uh, it's it's still good to see that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think even just from like uh, from that standpoint, right? Like, I mean, uh, the way the game was just completely taken over from minute seventy onwards. Like once again, right? Like half court possession drills, basically, right? <laughs> to close out the game. Like, I think it, it it belies a level of command and control over inferior teams at home, right? that we haven't seen in quite a while. Like no more zone nonsense where we're like pulling back after you're scoring one goal and parking the bus or like, uh, you know, just completely not wanting to go for the kill after we score that initial goal. None of that anymore. Right. Like it's, it was pretty fun to watch everyone on the team, basically wanting to go and score a third goal, 
even after like Hayden Clark popped in second, right? I think that's the kind of killer instinct that we haven't seen in quite a while, right? I think one of the more telling parts of the game for me isn't actually like goal one or goal two, it was actually like uh, in the 77th minute, I think, when Omir had the chance in the box that he put over. And mm-hmm. Fabio was like right next to him, screaming at him, like, "Why didn't you pass me the ball?" Because <laughs> he really yeah. wanted to score. Like that was it's that <laughs> level of comp. Well, maybe not screaming at him, but he was like pointing at his feet, like asking, like, "Why didn't you pass me the ball?" You know, what I mean, I think that level of a uh, competition and desire, right? Like that shows that this team doesn't just want to win; they want to win convincingly while contri- while contributing in their own way. You know, and I think that's the kind of fire that I want to see in this team, right? Even though you're cruising 2-0 up, Toronto's not really posing more of a threat. People are getting on each other's cases because they want to score so badly. Like, that was cool. That was really fucking cool. I'm not going to lie. Like, (laughs) not the deepest take, but that was really, really cool to see. And, you know, I think when you talk... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, keep going. I oh, know, and when you talk about switches halfway through the game, right? I mean, uh, I think that the the the, the switch and the distribution and build up, particularly, I think from uh, the 30th minute onwards, is going to be something that we'll be pointing to as being a bit pivotal, right? I think uh, you know Struber trying to start the game by getting his boys comfortable on the ball, building out from the back with those short possessions. That's looking kind of dicey doing so, but Toronto not really having, I guess, the cutting edge to capitalize on that. And then switching to the more direct style of play that they've been showing, right, the past couple of weeks, the more vertical, direct style of play um, to devastating effect, right? It, I think it almost immediately paid dividends, you know, uh, with, the, the Frankie Maya opener, like once that switch was made. And they just had no idea how to deal with it from that point on. Like they yeah. just absolutely tired out. As it turns out, like a team that's entirely predicated on trotting out 33 year old Michael Bradley to do like <laughs> literally everything is not a sustainable winning strategy. Where have you heard this before? You tell me. And then they bring on their um, star DP for him to just mostly be shuttled out to in, an ineffective performance on the wing being shut down by Kyle Duncan and Christian Casares Jr. Where have we heard this one before? Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all coming up in that sense. Yeah, if we could yeah, see, if, if see, we could sum it up all together, it would be uh It's so clear, it's so sharp like a knife in this moment. It is it is sharp <laughs> like a knife in this moment. Oh, that speech was so good. <laughs> it really was. It's it no, showed, it's, right? <clears throat> Yeah, it's great seeing that um <clears throat> what's the word uh just that like that visceral like type of like I want to fucking just eat you alive type shit that we saw in 2018. Like 2018 it, it was truly get one get four. There there the mentality of 2018 was the best way to win is by keep scoring goals. And the best way to defend, the best way, you know, like it wasn't just, oh, okay, we got one goal, maybe we got two goals. Okay, maybe we just sit back and just kind of defend a little bit. I was like, no, we're, we're just going to keep scoring goals. Like if you score one, fine, but we're going to have like 10. So it's okay if we give up one, you know, like just that, that real, just, just insane, never give up 90th minute and you're up three, nothing. You know what? Fuck it. Just go for four. We haven't seen that. At all, we never, we really never saw that under under, under Chris Armas at all. It was pretty much a, a pretty consistent pattern where 
once we got one goal, then you you know by the thirtieth minute or so, if we if we scored by then, to start slowing down. And pretty much any time we scored at any point of the game, it was slow it down. So it's it's so refreshing to see that killer instinct with the with, with the team again. They all they want to do is score goals. Like that's it. <laughs> they don't, from from the from the moment the whistle the whistle blows until the, the the final whistle ends the game, all they want to do is score, and that really is the best way to win a game. Just keep fucking scoring. Yeah, you know, like um, I think a lot will be made about how we haven't quite you know created a whole bunch of clear cut chances to open the season, and I guess if you look at the numbers for what it's worth, uh, there is some grounds to that. But you have to take into account that there are a lot of near chances, right, that aren't reflected on the score sheet necessarily. You like have a whole bunch of situations that were created throughout the game where you saw Fabio running in deep where he just couldn't quite get on the end of some of these. And, you know, considering the fact that this is still a team that's still trying to gel and find out how how each other play, right? Timing is going to be one of those things that improves as I think the season goes on, right? And especially since the fact that, you know, he hasn't had a consistent strike partner next to him to start the season. Um, you know, that should be alleviated now with the arrival of a certain Polish patty who we'll get into later, right? So it's like stuff like this, you know, I mean, like, I, 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 I'm not really too concerned just yet about the quote-unquote lack of, uh, you know, uh, chances being created because A, we're still gelling. B, there are already a whole bunch of near misses that I think will be converted into clear-cut scoring chances as the season goes on. And C, I mean, you know, I think um, most importantly, once we've figured out our two sh- the, the consistent two-striker configuration and they built that level of chemistry, uh, with the midfield as well, which is still kind of switching around a little bit. I do think that you will start seeing like a lot more clear-cut opportunities. D, like you mentioned, they still want to have the intent to score even when they're 2-0 up, right? And they're still going to keep driving forward to generate chances as the game goes on. You know, I think all these things I can look at and say that this is most definitely like a very marked difference from last year right? and the year before. Like where we just look like we, where where the moment you score a goal on us, like we're done, we're cooked. Like this kind of intent to always keep on going forward, very big intangible thing. I think. Yeah, I think I think the psychology of that is massive. I mean, you you you've seen it now two games in a row, where look when you're an opposing team and you know that they are just not going to stop the barrage is just going to keep hitting and hitting and hitting it gets to the point where like you know you know you're going to get outrun you know you're not going to be able to match the intensity you know you're not going to get a break you know they're not going to stop it's deflating and you i feel like the last two games you've really really seen the last like 15 20 minutes the opposing team both Chicago and Toronto kind of just give up like just their their body language, their intensity, their willingness to just be like whatever. I mean, maybe part of that with TFC was was more than just the game state, but even ignoring that part of it, it's 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 rough. I mean, and I 
it's impossible to not, you know, kind of look back to 2018 and, and, and because I mean, I think the hope is that's kind of the, the, the benchmark almost. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, we're, we're going to have another 70 point season, but as far as just, uh, the quality of play, the intensity, the, the ruthlessness, the, the cohesion of the team, the, all that good stuff, but also it just in, in terms of, of, how teams hated playing this team. You would hear all the time teams were legitimately scared, especially to walk into Red Bull Arena and 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 play. So we that just hasn't that just that hasn't been a, the case at all for the last you know two seasons. So it's it's good to feel that again. It's good to to know that you know the the old rebels are back and and they're gonna just be intense and aggressive. Um, they're not going to give up. They're not going to, you know, start slowing down and playing, you know, doing any bullshit. You know, at the end of the game, they're going to keep going. And I think once teams really start to realize that, and it, of course, there's going to naturally be some adjustments, but there's definitely going to uh, be that that renowned that that comeback feeling of of uh, the opposition being like, "Fuck!" Like we really are in this for ninety plus minutes. There's not going to be a break. And one thing I just want to mention about like the the, the chances. One of the interesting things about 2018 under Jesse was, and I hate expected goal talk and all that bullshit because there's just so many variables in that. But I think one of the things we noticed when we looked at, um, you know, when we were looking at the numbers that one episode from uh, Jesse uh, to to Chris Armour's shift was just generally speaking, I feel like with a lot of, with the Rebel teams that play super quick, direct vertical transition, you don't see as high quality um chances instead you just see a ton of like low to medium quality chances but just the sheer volume of those you're kind of bound to score multiple goals goals and i feel like that kind of had a lot there wasn't always a ton of like just super super clear cut chances and we still found ways to capitalize because when you have four or five guys charging into the box shit's gonna happen and when shit happens that frequently, you're probably going to get a goal. And I feel like that's kind of already been a bit of the pattern that we're seeing now. So now getting someone like Patrick there, hopefully, you know, he ends up being a much cleaner finisher than than White and Barlow being on the other side. Maybe some of those more clear cut goals come in and maybe some of those not so clear cut goals still get, you know, uh, get turned over at a higher frequency. Yeah, but we can talk about it's the return of what someone on this team had said. Uh, uh, it's the machine. It's the fucking Red Bull machine. Who said that? Oh, that was Chris <laughs> Armas. Oh, well, now then. Uh, I have to ban you from the podcast for that. Sorry, pal. Oh, no. <laughs> please please kick him from the room. <laughs> what the fuck, man? We were doing so well up until this point. <laughs> and now you're quoting 2018 Chris Armas. Uh, we, um, can we, we talk we, about, we so uh, if I can talk about like a wrinkle and I don't know yeah. if you want to talk about some specific tactical stuff, um, watching the footage again, uh, it's one thing to note the diamond midfield did not lose its shape like at all over the course of 90 minutes. Um, yeah. even when it kind of, even when it, so sometimes when we were it, when we were defending, it would kind of it would maintain its shape, but then in sort of attacking positions, like the, the shuttlers kind of fanned out. And so they weren't quite wingers, but they were kind of pushed up in sort of those half spaces. Um, 
which I'm curious is like once once we play a good team, I don't know uh, how we work around that. But um, I don't know what your guys' thoughts about that. Well, well, it's pretty interesting, right? Because if you look at the average positional map that was put out against Chicago as well, right? I think you're starting to see like um, the shape take form as well, right? I think uh, you saw uh, what is it the, the anchorman at the base of the diamond, like forming like a very tightly linked pack of three with the center backs in the middle, right? And then you have the two fullbacks fanning up a little bit more to provide the width and support for the second line of shuttlers right in front of them. And then the shuttlers and the tip of the diamond themselves form like kind of a, another unit of like five, right? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not five. Actually, yeah, five. The two shuttlers, the tip of the diamond, and the two strikers forming another tightly packed unit of five in the middle, right? You're starting to see a, a hallmark of the Schubert diamond, as has been pointed out many times in a whole variety of uh, mediums, is the fact that they want to deny space in the middle of the park. And you're starting to see that, right? With this really nice, compact, layered shape in the middle that has that level of compression in the middle to deny those central channels. Because in this system, has been point, as the, the, one of the big pressing triggers is a pass out to the side or a pass out towards the back, Right. And one of the interesting things that you saw was that you saw the backwards passing triggers like being pulled off to like a pretty decent level. I think that last game, especially the way that um and and how that defensive shape like allows us to do to excel at that is the fact that as soon as a pass is played back to the center back, you already have like a big pack of like three or four just waiting to go the moment they see the ball being passed backwards, right? You park one striker on each of the center backs to, to to create that initial press. And then you encourage them to fan the ball out wide as a result of that. And then everybody moves over to create the overload on that side of the pitch. You saw that basically working like a charm from minute 25 onwards, right? That was that really good article by, uh, what's his name? David Cellini, I think, right? That Swedish fella of his blog. Um that broke that down perfectly. And you saw that level of movement, the level of synchronization uh, and the coordination uh, to manipulate space, right? You're, you're, you're like um, to basically start pulling that off. And it showed, you know, it's not just running aimlessly. It's not just headless chicken, run, 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 run and stuff. You know, like uh, the way you press in the context of the system makes a difference as well, right? Like uh, as they pulled out Brian White holding up uncertain, um, uh, to uncertain pressing mechanisms just to manipulate space that much more and encourage a pass out to his section of the field and then going to go press in coordination with, uh, you know, Kyle Duncan on that side of the field. Like that's the kind of coordination that we haven't seen. And, you know, like, I think to go back to your original point about seeing the defensive shape take form, I mean, like, that's the week-to-week progression that we were trying to see from Gerhard Schuber, right? The shape wasn't so clear maybe to start the season, but that's because it's the fucking start of the season. It's preseason, basically, at that point. Like, naturally, I think about two or three weeks in, as players start to grow more comfortable in their roles and understand the mechanisms of the press a bit more, Yes, that's when you're starting to see the uh, shape take form. And that's when you're going to start seeing wrinkles be played in. Like, you're already starting to see him, like, uh, switch to pressing mechan- the pressing triggers on a week-to-week basis, right? 
So it's this kind of thing, you know, I mean, like just how quickly the players are able to grasp these things as well. You know, I mean, like it, it's still like uh, early May, but you really have to wonder, you know, like wh- how high can this team ceiling be if they're able to switch the number of looks they have on a week by week basis, right? Basically metamorphosizing week by week. You know, it's one thing to fear team. It's the one thing to fear us when you play us at Red Bull Arena. That's another to fear us and not know what to expect when you come to Red Bull Arena. You know, and if we achieve that level, that's amazing. You know, like I would probably say, like, really good chance to be the best team in Red Bull history in New York. Straight up. I don't think even Jesse Marsh could do that, has done that. Yeah, I mean, you, you bring up a good point about not knowing what to expect, and you know, the one of the one of the to- the whole you know storylines of 2018 was as great as we were, um, you know, you, teams kind of didn't know what to expect; they just couldn't handle it. So, you know, the league has evolved quite a bit, I think, in even just last couple of years. I think in some ways it's definitely regressed, um, but I mean, the fact that this is the fact that this team is going back to its its uh, to its I don't want to say roots, but you know, go back a couple of years to 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 the type of of style that the team is supposed to be playing that just hasn't existed in the last couple of years. But doing it in such a different way, this is a very very different team than 2018 in every aspect. The roster makeup is fundamentally different. And the tactics are a lot different. It is not the same. The core principles are the same. You know, pressing, being aggressive, and 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 quick transition, being direct, all that stuff, it still exists. But it's so awesome seeing how how you can have two different managers who really, truly, I mean, deeply believe in the Red Bull, you know, the the, the Red Bull philosophy but have very different interpretations of it and still seemingly have success. I mean, we have to obviously wait to see how the season plays out, but there's already certain elements that like you you can't help but get flashbacks to 2018. I mean, the way the players talk about Struber, it's, I get flashbacks of how players talked about, about uh, Jesse. One of the thing, one of the biggest contrasts between how, uh, uh, how players talked about Jesse and talked about Chris was with Jesse was I'll go to war for him. And then for, Je- and for Chris, it was, oh no, he was totally a cool guy and there's nothing wrong with being a cool guy, but there's just something deeply different about how you, how you say something like I'd go to war, you know, with, for, for, you know, for my manager. And then you hear how like, Amaya and some of the other guys are, are are talking about Schuber. There is already a very very deep belief in him, and you could tell that he's got that same that same push, that same infectious type of 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 uh, of, of personality, and and just so clear with what he wants. And he, you could tell the players believe what the players believe that Schuber believes in them. You know what I mean? And I feel like that was huge in 2018, and and you're clearly starting to see that this year. So knowing that the team is kind of going back to an aggressive style, you know, teams might be like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's them again. It's it's uh, you know, they're they're really quick, fast playing, uh, uh, pressing Red Bulls." 
but they don't know what to expect because this is fundamentally a different team for the roster and the tactics. And that's a big advantage that the team's going to happen, uh, that the team's going to have. Because, you know, going back to 2018, that was a different team than 2017, 16, and 15, both in terms of the roster and how Jesse rolled the team out. That was one of the biggest reasons why we were so successful, was a team where Jesse's tactics, he, he basically took, you know, three years worth of, of, of lessons and kind of balled it into one. And it's kind of the same thing here. You're seeing a team, you're seeing a manager who, who again, has, has deep belief in the system, but it's fundamentally different. And because he has so many different looks, even with one, even within one, uh, within one game, more looks than Jesse ever had. I mean, there's. I think the ceiling is possibly higher than what we even originally thought. Will they get to that ceiling? Of course, we have to find out. But if the last two games is any indication of of the trend and what direction we're heading, this really, really, really could be the beginning of an even better era than that we thought we were headed in 2018. And if we it's want to talk about, uh, boys. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if we want to talk about Plan Bs, I think Plans B rather. Uh, I think one wrinkle in this game, particularly, was sort of playing it out of the back, um, and it wasn't necessarily playing it out of the back to as sort of like a wanky possession shit, but it was more to invite Toronto's press and sort of trying to like factor in my experience of the game and sort of watching it in real time. There was a moment in the eleventh minute. We're kind of passing it around the back and Coronel is on the ball and he tries to, and he plays it forward to split the center backs. And what I think happened, I mean, either two of the, he either mishit the pass or it was meant to go to CCJ and he was just shifting to the right. And so didn't get to the ball in time. But uh, I think Sean Davis tried to get that ball who had, and he had Michael Bradley breathing down his neck for most of that first half. And so it, they kind of cough up a chance. And so as soon as the ball goes out for a corner, I saw Sean Davis go up to Cornell saying, hey, I've got a guy on me. Don't pass me that ball. And he was, and, and Cornell was like, yeah. But then he both of them kind of pointed CCJ like, hey, you need to be there. And CCJ was like, you guys are right. That was me. That was my bad. And I'm like, OK, good. The guys are trying. Like, It's not just that they're not getting on their backs necessarily for underperforming. But they're like, OK, this is the plan, guys. We got to stick to the plan. Yeah. And this is what we have to do. No, that's good. It's good to see the guys communicating, you know, on the fly like that. I mean, it, it, you would you would hope that's what they're supposed to do, but it's good seeing that they kind of are, you know, again, they already they're already starting to under like they already understand what what it's supposed to be, and and I guess there's maybe more com- better communicating communication uh, back there than than we've seen in the first two games, which I think was a big 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 uh, reason for why you know we had so many individual you know mental mental slip ups or just wasn't a solid command on top of just not fully understanding what's, what's, you know, what needs to be done. But I feel like one of the, one of the good things too is which Juber doesn't seem like this mystical plan B like, Oh fuck. You know, I, I have to, you know, find this, I have to find this plan B and you know, it's, <laughs> it's, he just sees it as in this game, it is a, it is 90 minutes of various game states. That's all it is. There's no plan A, plan B, plan C. This is who we are. This is how we want to play. And during the course of the game, things are going to happen where we have to evolve and change things as opposed to, 
you know, fucking American football, like it's John Madden and, and you got to switch, you know, it does, soccer's not like that. It, it's a constant evolving, you know, game state. It's not, it's not so hard line A, B and C. And I think maybe that was one of the biggest downfalls of Armas was being hyper-focused on this one specific thing that he thought existed. Whereas with Struber, it's just, no, like this is, this is what our plan is. And if you have to make changes and adjustments, we'll do it. They're not plan B, C, D. It's just like, it's a game state. It's a change that we have to make to the game state. And, and, and that's it. It's not, you know, you, you don't put this thing in a pedestal and like, oh, we have to achieve this. You're never going to achieve it because it doesn't exist. Just because there's so many factors that change during the course of a game. You, you can't just be hyper-focused on this one specific moment and one specific style. It's always evolving. Even when you're, even when you're in the front foot, even when the team took command, how the team was playing in the 30th minute is still different to how they were playing in the 80th minute. They they ramped it up. They were still making changes, and that's how it should be. You should always be evolving and 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 figuring things out as the the game flow changes. Even if it's not negative, even if you're playing well, fucking play better. Always strive to play better. And I think that's the the, the point Schubert has been trying to make. Is is just being aggressive and and don't stop. Just keep going and just keep going. And you can hear the passion. I don't know if you guys. Well, well, I guess Juan, you could. You read the game, um, but you know, during a quick halftime interview, he was asked, you know, what what uh, uh, you know, what um, they, they I forgot what it was, but he specifically mentioned like some kind of change he would make. He was like, yeah, sc- score goals, score more goals. Like that's the plan. The plan is to keep scoring goals. How you get to that is going to change through the course of the game. And I think the players just having an understanding about that and not being so focused on his weird, you know, like specific things as far as like plans or whatever, I think is huge because they just know to always be alert, always be on your toes and and always just just keep striving to be better throughout the entire game, not just, you know, in, in, in individual specific moments. I think if I remember correctly, because when I rewatched the game, uh, Struber's halftime, he was talking about... Uh... Needing to do better at breaking the lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, if we will get to it, but uh, goal number two, that's exactly what we did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, look, I mean, I, I guess this is a nice part to naturally seek into like some really good individual performances that you saw out there, right? But, you know, like uh, you talk about having a line breaking presence, right? Who should be able to i think um play vertical with these really well weighted through balls for two really pacey strikers to run onto i mean i don't think it's a coincidence i guess in back-to-back weeks that drew yearwood has seen the field and the other team just completely has no idea like how to operate anymore right they just completely shut down right after that must be like such a demoralizing presence to be harassed, I think, for 60 minutes. And then having this guy who's capable of like playing the ball between the lines as easily as he does, like come onto the field. You know, like he's been such an ace in the hole in that sense. And, you know, I think um, it, it was pretty effusive, I think, particularly from what I saw, like uh, for the second goal in particular, because it was such a Red Bull goal. Right, like uh, the line-breaking pass from Coronel, that basically put them into a five-and-four situation further up yes. the field. The second line-breaking pass from Drew Yearwood that put in Fabio and basically like created that whole chaotic situation that two on-rushing midfielders in Caden Clark and Christian Casares Jr. like could latch onto 
and it just happened to be Clark who poked it home. So, you know, like it's such a Red Bull goal. Yeah. And and it's funny because during, uh, during the half, uh, the all access video, you hear Struber very passionately telling him, play forward, play forward, play forward. He repeats it like two or three times to keep playing forward. And if they weren't playing forward, if they weren't being aggressive than what they were with charging a box, that second goal does never it does doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean it's just the peak onslaught, right? And it's like you're talking about how how this Red Bull team attacks the box. Like it's a whole like uh, we we knew that the strikers right would be finding out wide to create space in the middle for all the attacking midfielders to run into, right? This is how it happened at Barnsley. A lot of the midfielders were actually the leading goal scorers for that reason because they'll be running into the space created by the two forwards finding out wide, winning balls out. I think in the, yeah, you know, winning those deals out wide and creating um, all that space in the middle of the park for them to run into. Uh, you know, it's, um, and in that sense, you know, I think this is where you also kind of have to just praise Fabio as well for, I think, uh, the week to week progress that he's making. You know, like I think I talked about there being, uh, you know, individual moments, you know, him being limited to individual moments. But here, this week, you saw him becoming a bit more like a force, right? A constant force throughout the game where, uh, you know, his ability to stretch the back line opened up so much space for his teammates to run into. He was active in trying to win duels. And, you know, I mean, he's come so close on a number of occasions to getting on the end of some of these through balls. You know, that, like, you, you watch this... And you just gain a sense. It's just a matter of time before he breaks his duck. But even though he hasn't scored yet, he's still being a highly, you know, productive member of the team. You know, not just in terms of his assists, but how much space he creates for his teammates. And now you finally have Patrick Klamala in town right next to him. You know, someone who is also pacey and is a real, I think, predatory striker. Right, someone who likes to run in behind and just bury chances when he sees it, you know, like, like, I'm telling you, man, like, that option to buy from Oeste, like, please, like, I'm on my knees begging you right now, like, I'm begging my wife and kids to come home, like, please <laughs> buy him for the love of fuck, like, I will set myself on fire if Fabio <laughs> Gomez Neto is not a Red Bull player in June. Okay, Pull like, the lever, I... Kevin. <laughs> please, Mr. Thelwell. Please, <laughs> I want to see my family again. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's one. And then, of course, I mean, uh, you know, I think rightfully, he wasn't even the best player in a Red Bull kid on the field that game. I mean, like, 17-year-old Caden Clark? <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, I was a bit, I, I, I admit it, I mean, I was a bit of a skeptic to start the season, you know, like, because I, I, I was of the opinion that he wasn't really doing that much to really show off on the field other than those bangers. But, you know, I mean, like, this is another one of those really good all-around performances where you're starting to understand the hype, right? I mean, I still don't think he has that capability to just completely take over and control games. Like, uh, you know, a talismanic uh, pl- player like a you know like say a kaku can but i don't expect that for a 17 year old quite frankly and a 17 year old who's already showing like his ability to not just you know um pop up score goals 
do the dirty work in the press, but also looking to combine, right? Always looking to move the ball forward, opportunities to combine and bring his teammates into play, right? Like I think yet another great composed performance at the Shuttler position for him. And he's only 17 years old. Like you always forget, I think the way he plays, he can play in this team, you know, he's only 17 years old. Makes you forget that almost immediately. Like it's insane, really, yeah. truly, truly, it's insane. I just like I, to say I, that I don't think he's like, you know, I mean, like, I, like I said, he still needs a bit of time. He still needs a bit of seasoning to really, truly become, I think, this constant force in that role. But for someone of his age at this phase in his career, like, you can't help but not feel effusive about what he gives right now, his output right now, and what he could be. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like part of my reservation with him was um, definitely part of it was just being annoying with the whole uh, national team shit with all the weirdos on Twitter. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, it was – look, last year was nearly impossible to, to, to properly – um, kind of gauge any player, especially any new player that, that came in last year. You know, even with, with uh, Bradley Cornell, the team was very much in a holding pattern. I mean, it, the team performed better. I, I, anyone with a brain and two eyes saw that they immediately played better. But playing under, under you know, an interim manager is not the same as playing under, a, a, you know, a proper manager. So it was hard to, other than the wonder goals, it was hard to see what, he really was about you know like what who is he you know so like kind of going into the season like damn they're really gonna they're really gonna try out the seven-year-old who hasn't really been able to show much because unfortunately he just wasn't under you know normal situation i guess you you would say it but it's i mean look there uh Kevin is clearly smarter than all of us. <laughs> if he had, you know, if he had uh, uh, the the faith just from what he was seeing, you know, I guess in training or or whatever it was that he saw, I mean, they 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 move they move things around to get him for a reason. So they obviously saw something that a lot of us didn't see, and it, it's great seeing at least some of what they were seeing, some of that vision of what they felt he could uh, the player he could turn into. Because you know, for a young kid. Really, in the in, in in the very very beginning part of his of his real career, I, last year was too weird to really count it. So for for the first time, him being under an actual manager, you know, under normal circumstances, it's pretty impressive what he's been able to do so far. And, and I can't imagine, uh, I can't imagine the, the, him being anywhere close to his ceiling right now. So yeah, at some point he is going to be gone, but. Definitely want to enjoy his time here. He's 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 definitely surprised me to say the least. Yeah, with I think on this podcast we've been keeping our powder pretty dry on praise for him, reasonably so because he is a he he is a wee lad. But this this is credit where credit's due. This is like this is the best game I've seen him play in this team. Um, the, the the criticism I've given him as of late would be he'd be kind of a passenger that he wouldn't be very active during games uh, aside from scoring highlight reel goals uh, and then proceed to not do anything again. But uh, these 
like this game particularly, like it was, you could see his contributions on the defensive side of the ball. And then when he did get on the ball, there were like very clear, uh, like actionable moments of just like him, especially in the second half, which I think, I think a substitution put him at the top of the diamond. Like as soon as he got on the ball, he was, uh, running at defenders he was making himself dangerous uh looking for the angles to pass into uh it's a great game from him that being said uh his dad needs to leave us alone on twitter please for the love of god <laughs> hey man he's just like, trying look, to be a like, loving father to his I, son chris you have to understand we we are not weirdos like we're not amsoc weirdos like you don't <laughs> you don't need to be doing this <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, um, I think, I think one other aspect about this game, though, I think uh, that's unfortunately going to be, uh, attracting all the Absoc pedos is that burgeoning chemistry that he has with Frankie Amaya, I think, in the diamond, that's starting to look like it could be really fun, right? You're starting to see a lot of positional interchange between the two of them. They have really complementary skill sets of each other. And, you know, I mean, like, like Amaya's only been here for two games. But he fits this system like a glove. You know, he's I mean, such a Red Bull player, man. Fuck. It, oh, yeah. It's it's so impressive at how quickly he's adapted, right? Like, uh, no, not not only is he tenacious in the press, but like, you know, that close control on the ball, his knowledge of how to pass and move. You know, I think like that's the kind of vertical play that I think you're that you wanted to see from a Struber team, right? And he's proving it pretty much almost immediately off the bat which is also really impressive for someone who's only 21 years old <laughs> like yeah, i'm you reading the that ages he was out like, yeah that he was drafted and you would assume he would be like 22 already but uh you know he was like a one and done guy right if i'm not mistaken from uh, uh yeah. yeah from ucla from some 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 fucked up university who gives <laughs> shit. ncaa soccer's fake like <laughs> here so like um yeah i mean that's the deal you know i mean already like i said like i think that was that really telling soundbite that he had right where he was like oh yeah it's only the second game with us that kind of underscored like just how quickly he's come along you know i think um I think I, I think we talked about Sean Davis being an example of someone who can, you know, I think um, who has the better parts of his game being brought up by someone who's, a, you know, a steady hand who knows his players and is tactically noosed. But I mean, look at Frankie Amaya as well, right? How quickly he's managed to slot in, I think, is another testament to, like, the steady hands we have guiding the ship. Uh, when you consider that at FC Cincinnati, he's had, like, what, five managers in three years or something stupid like that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah, take that, Cincinnati. Fucking taking away <laughs> Hassan and Dom, and we're going to take away Frankie Amaya and throw some chump change at you. Yeah. They they they, they, they took Hassan and Dom, Ben Mines. Uh, uh, like, like what other Red Bull players are there now? I, f- I think that's that's it, right? I think. Yeah. Emma. I I I think this is pretty good penance for that. So yeah, I mean, look, I mean, like, here's a guy who had kind of been in a pretty shitty professional situation up until this point in his career, right? And then suddenly he comes here and he looks like a fucking gem, you know? Like, I think it's basically a testament to like the the simple fact of nature is, is that you can elevate certain players by fitting them into something coherent and something. Um, Defending them something coherent and something that allows them to display the best of their talents, right? Like his work rate, his tenacity, and winning the ball, but also his intelligence. You know, I think that all 
helps in the system, especially since he has teammates that complement that, right? Like I think, um, you know, I think Ken Clark is one. Uh, I obviously like feel that, um, you know, once Drew Yearwood is up to speed, like that that midfield is going to hit like a whole other dimension. And you know, I think at the base of diamond, like a, it's a toss up between Sean Davis, who hasn't really done anything to really warrant being dropped yet, but also remember Yuba Diara to start the season, the way that he was winning everything and also moving it up as quick as possible. Like holy fucking shit, man! Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is what we talk yeah. about when we like talk about how much fucking variance in midfield we have, right? I I still have no idea what this team best 11 is but in a good way this time right unlike yeah. under chris armis where we look good no matter who's playing where like holy fucking shit you guys like <laughs> <laughs> you know how yeah, was, good that feels for me to say out loud holy shit like <laughs> it, i was gonna say i mean frankie is a good example of of why you sometimes can't always focus too much on a player's previous under stats from a, a, a previous team, a Davis shit. Forget, forget a team. I mean, look at Davis. Fuck, Davis looks like a completely different player this year, man. Davis is like, Davis is almost like a case study at this point of how he shows how important a manager is to to a player. And 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 the team success here. You have a player who has now played under three different managers and did pretty well under two of them. I don't think the problem was Davis. It was probably the manager, especially the fact that he's playing at a position and role that even I thought he couldn't do. I didn't. Right. We talked about it exactly. last week. I didn't fucking think he could. He could be this guy playing deep, covering seven and a half plus miles a game. Absolutely, the fuck not. But he's doing it, and he's doing it because he's under a manager who's not a complete buffoon, you know. So I, it's if there was ever an example, if there were, I was ever in a, a case study about why tactics are so important, more important than any, you know, a, a game changer, individual player bullshit, any magic nonsense that people love to fucking masturbate to, <laughs> the manager is arguably the single most important thing to a team's success. And fuck, man, I'm so happy to see Davis do well because he's he's a player I've always liked. He's a player I've, I always felt was, was very underappreciated uh, in this fan base. And seeing him go from being a very important player under, under Jesse to just – being let left to dry and 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 really just totally fucked by by Chris Armas, and seeing this resurgence, especially after all the talk about oh you know maybe he's trade bait or something, and you know oh no there goes another captain getting shit, you know getting sent away or some stupid shit. Here he is being really one of the most important players on a team. He has been so important to a lot of the things that's happened this season so far. I'm I'm so happy for him. So yeah, it, it's it's. Between him and Frankie, I feel like those are two very good examples of of, of why people have to when, when when people talk about players, especially incoming players or existing players, I feel like it's very important for people to take a step back and focus more on their individual characteristics. What 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 tools does that player bring to a team? 
more than, oh, let's go on fucking Wikipedia and see, you know, oh, fuck, you know, one goal, ha ha, 20 games, ha, this guy sucks. Stupid shit like that. Like, focus more on their characteristics and how they could potentially fit on a, on a, on a team more than, you know, the, than that superficial bullshit. Cause there were so many, so many Cincinnati fans that were all, oh, ha, we, we fleeced them because this kid fucking sucks. Well, <laughs> jokes on you. Cause it's looking like you guys are wrong. This is a, uh, the uh, Shaq freestyle against Kobe, right? Like, uh, <laughs> since you told me how my ass tastes. How right? my like, ass tastes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to curtail, um, things a bit, but I think we should probably move on to stocks now, just because I think we could probably put out a three hour episode and how proud we are of this performance. But, uh, I think, uh, I don't think our listeners would appreciate that too much. So, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so let's, uh, let's just, let's just do a quick uh, bunch of stocks before we talk about Philadelphia guys. So I'm going to limit myself to three up and three down again. So I think my three ups, you know, uh, okay. I think obviously eager Hartstruber, the biggest, biggest one, Caden Clark. And, um, you know, Kyle Duncan. You know, I'm, I'm going to give my last one to Kel Duncan. Like, I think we didn't really get managed to get into it too much just yet. But, you know, I mean, just, just a very impressive defensive performance. And he's really stepped it up since Tom Edwards has been in New York, right? I mean, look, I mean, just the way he combined with Christian Casares Jr. and completely shitting on a Jefferson Soteldo, which, which, which we haven't unvo- had much to talk about yet either. Right? <laughs> right. Just the way he completely shat on him, right? Just made him look foolish. Like he was try. I remember there was this one sequence in the game where he was like trying to do all the uh, flip, the, all the flappy stuff, like trying yeah. to do like a rainbow. No, sorry, not a rainbow. Like a, the what's the trick where you like knock the ball up and over the other guy's head and then oh the sombrero, yeah, trying to sombrero yeah. him. Um, and then he just ran into Cal Duncan and fell on his right. ass. Like that, that yeah, was I, think, uh, I think I think like, I think the Struber <laughs> tactical plan was uh, just just double team him and we'll be fine. That, that that was that was the beautiful microcosm i think of this of the tactical uh of the tactical story of this game right like armis tries to uh, introduce his flashy new dp to try and stitch things up and he just runs into a brick wall of a coherent tactical plan to deal with him and completely gets negated <laughs> <laughs> That's the way the story goes, Chris. I, I'm sorry. So I think I'll move on to my stock downs. Uh, I will unfortunately have to disparage Carlos Coronel. <laughs> and this pains me to no end because, you know, I mean, goalkeepers union and everything, but uh, not the most um, confident distributive display. So, um, Carlos, I hope it was an off day, pal. Uh, please uh, work on waiting your passes to your defenders and everything will be okay. Um, I was going to give a stock down to Amro Tarek for that, (laughs) but he's won it back again with the Palestine tweet. So I can't, it's one, one (laughs) actually, maybe it's like two, one because the Palestine tweet is obviously a lot more important, but, um, I think a certain guy who, uh, blocked me over after the the Toronto loss is probably besides himself right now, but it's okay. (laughs) 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 Um, he probably doesn't listen to this podcast anyway. I mean, like, if you're listening to this, like, holy fuck, like, you are such a sado. But anyway, oh, um, my stock down, I will give my stock down to, you know, 
Mm, I don't think it's really, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's going to be anyone on the playing side of things. My stock down, I mean, I guess Davis had a bit of a, probably his worst performance yet, I think, under Struber. But, you know, I don't think it's anything to really warrant beating home too much about. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, like, I think everybody's stock remains the same, actually, basically. Um, and then I think uh, my final stock down obviously goes to Chris Harmis. Because, uh, look, pal, you may not be with the team anymore, but, man, like, <laughs> this is what a Red Bull team should look like. Please take a good hmm. look. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. My stock up... Um, uh, I'm gonna go with Duncan. Uh, I I I was I I feel like I was a pretty big critic of Duncan coming into the season. Um, I mean, even kind of the, I think it was the first game he really had a bad game. I think it was the first game. But yeah, I, I feel like the last uh, last two games he's kind of kind of shown to be a quite a bit of a different player. Um, maybe there's more to to Duncan than than we've thought. Maybe he's another player that just needed to be under. Um, a proper manager with with proper ideas, and you know, someone who can kind of uh, you know force certain certain things onto him as far as just basic things like spatial awareness, and I think I, things I felt were just basic things that he just should know, just wasn't really good at. But um, yeah, whatever it is, I mean, he's 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 been playing pretty pretty good last in the last two games, and and that's. That's only going to make us better because if if Edwards is a better player than Duncan, cool, he's going to have to prove it. And if he does prove it, if if this improvement that we've seen with Duncan is real, we have a pretty good one and two uh, a depth chart on on the, on the right side. So that's that's great. Um, who else gets stock up? Uh, Struber gets a huge stock up this game. I mean, I yet again he's shown. The, the ability to kind of just, you know, stay calm, be level-headed and, and make the changes that, that, that uh, needed to be made. I feel like we haven't at any point this season, it's only been four games, but I, in neither of the four games, not even the two games that we lost, did we ever look out of it? We always looked like there was a chance, like we were in it somehow. So um, yeah, it, it's just, it's refreshing, as I said earlier, to, to, to have a manager who, you have faith, has you have faith that he could make changes and 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 keep the team in there, um, and if they're winning, make them better to to you know win more. <laughs> um, and then the other stock up, <sighs> I don't know. I I honestly, I'm gonna give it to Fabio. I think we give a stock up to Fabio. I just I feel like um, maybe maybe by getting some of the assists, it's kind of help take a bit of the the edge off the fact that he hasn't scored yet but it's good seeing that he's he's just been good this whole time you know he's a striker he's supposed quote, quote, supposed to be scoring goals and they obviously had they obviously hasn't come but it hasn't stopped him from just playing well you know a lot of times you know when strikers kind of start slow or they get into these off you know the, these off periods you see it you know they 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 just don't play well as a whole. You see him getting frustrated, all that. And 
I haven't seen one bit of that so far with him. So it's good that that he's finding ways to to be very important to the game, and yeah, maybe some of that's just by design of the tactics, and and you know he's he's not going to be uh, taking on much of the the scoring burden. But regardless, he's he's been an important player despite the fact that he hasn't scored any goals. Um, stock down. I'm going to give it to uh, to Carlos. That distribution was not good <laughs> that first half. Uh, I feel like he was. Oh, he was better last week with it. So maybe it was just a fluke this uh, this game. Maybe he wasn't expecting or prepared for that kind of pressure uh, in the first 20, 25 minutes or so. But either way, I really, I really hope he tidies it up because I, I feel like that was one of one of the the uh, better parts of his game. I feel, I feel like I kind of expected him to be better at that. Um, stock down is going to be. Uh, Chris Armors' balls. I feel bad for those fucking things, man. I mean, <laughs> God damn. They, they just 30 minutes into a game and never, never, never fails. It's just being forced into hiding. So yeah, that sucks. And that's it. I, I can't really, I, 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 it's hard to, on a game where we win on a game where we looked so good. I it's, it's so hard to really pinpoint anyone and give any kind of stock downs. So I think everyone, collectively did what they had to do, whether it was the starters or the subs, they just did what had to be done. And, and, and no one really broke apart from, you know, that, that, that intensity. All right. So I think I, we already talked about Clark, so I don't need to give him a stock up. I originally had Coronel as a stock up just because the pass to Drew Yearwood was uh, something I'm not used to seeing goalkeepers do. Uh, But I don't have to talk about him right now. Uh, mixed bag yeah mixed bag so mixed bag i would stock up so i'm gonna give one to harper uh harper and tolkien getting their first games in uh looking impressive i thought harper harper looked good going forward i know it the game plan was quite simple with him um but it it should i'm excited to see what he does because we don't necessarily have a player like him the guy guy who can like dribble in the way that he does um Tolkien was doing the thing that I know because game states, obviously, but like there was more than once that like uh, Drew Yearwood picked his head up and played that like nice slide rule to Tolkien, who was overlapping. And it looks like he's going to be that option at left back. I don't know what's happening with Jason Ponton, but it looks like if um, if Goodman is not able to play, it's probably going to be Tolkien in that spot. Um I think Royer, it's, so it's interesting, Royer comes in in the second half, uh, as in like starts the second half in place of Brian White, and it's interesting to see a formation that's not built around his offensive off output, right? We have him and Fabio going into the second half, and so Royer doesn't need to do everything, um, so that's that's interesting to watch. There were moments where like Fabio... Uh, they were both running at the at, at goals, and Royer was out in open space, and Fabio didn't pass to him. Uh, but I don't know. Stock it's up, I guess, to Fabio. Yeah, I, I would give a stock up to Fa- real quick. Stock up to Fabio. Uh, another game with two assists, or at least him directly involved in the buildup of the goal. And just a comparison, not like necessarily saying he's going to be the next Bradley Wright Phillips. But Bradley Wright Phillips took five games, five or six games before he scored his first goal for the team. Um, and even then, I don't think he was like as important to the tactical setup of the team as Fabio is uh, right now. 
uh, stock downs. Uh, I don't really have stock downs for anyone. Stock down for COVID-19 because I really would have loved some empanadas <laughs> at that lunchtime kickoff, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't kill a single asshole like Bolsonaro or Boris Johnson. What the fuck, man? Boo. Seriously. <laughs> Horrible. Worse than Metro, if you ask me. Choking. <laughs> I still can't believe this motherfucker got it and didn't die. It's insane. Bolsonaro's How had it like five die? times, dude, and he's still not dead. But it's okay. I think Lula's uh, ahead of him in the uh, polling for the 2022 <laughs> Brazilian presidential election. Yeah. That's all right. That's that's something to look forward to. Anyway, uh, please finish your stocks. If, unless I'm that was the end. Uh, you were going to talk about Royer for a second. Yeah, I mean, it was really just an A-side about how interesting that he actually looks like he's been playing this sort of vacuum cleaner role off the target man in Fabio, where he's like, first to win the second ball and then distribute and move it on. So, you know, I mean, I have knocked Royer in the past in this podcast, but, you know, I mean, a pretty nice little wrinkle to see him do as a, more of a support player this time around. So, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty fine with Royer in that kind of role. I mean, I'm with you guys, right? And, like, he should under no means have the team built around him. But as a complimentary piece, you know, like suckering up the ball and then trying to move it on by just playing a nice um, distributive pass off of uh, Fabio's knockdowns or hold up play. You know, I think I think he's got some use in that. So, yeah, pretty, pretty good showing, I think, from Danny Royer and his uh, 45 minutes off the bench. Um, I guess uh, since we're all done with the stocks, uh, let's move on to uh, I guess we'll just do a quick one talking about um, our first Eastern Conference, I think, road trip down to Chester, Pennsylvania, to visit our Red Bull affiliates down south. So Ernst Tanner's and Jim Curtin's uh, Philadelphia Union, I think they are the incumbent supporter shield holders. They have stolen Shieldy from us. We must bring it back. <laughs> Mr. Struber, please. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, um, so I think they've. This is a team that's also kind of in a bit of a transition phase, right? I think uh, they did lose a whole bunch of uh, key players from last year, who rightfully I think earned moves to um, Europe off the backs of their play, right? I mean, I think obviously Brendan Aronson was uh, drawing a lot of uh, you know plaudits last year. Sort of their version of Caden Clark, I think. And now he's gone to Salzburg and is winning things with Jesse Marsh. Uh, Mark McKenzie, I think, has moved on to Genk. Right? That might be Belgium. Great, yeah. It's either Ghent or Genk. But I know Genk is the funnier word. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, like, uh, that's the deal. You know, I mean, like, these guys are cogs in the system as opposed to being, like, the system, right? To use the adage. Uh, so... Needless to say, I think um, they still have a bunch of good talent. You know, I think there, 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 there is talent on this side, right? It's not the Philadelphia Union of old, where oh, we'd probably lose to some CJ Sapong shit housing, or uh, Andre Blake has to stand on his head and make like fifteen saves just to earn a point or whatever, like. Um, the Union, interestingly enough, were more of a Red Bull team over the last two years than we were, <laughs> right? Really pains me to say that. But um, so basically, we kind of know what to expect going in to this game. It's sort of like a very similar to ours. You have a high intensity press with the two pacey strikers, particularly, right? And Sergio Santos and Kasper. 
Przybylko. I think I hope I'm pronouncing that right. So oddly enough, there you go. Another Brazilian-Polish combination. <laughs> really like the Wario version of us, man. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> no, 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 no. You got you to gotta make them angry. So that's, it's Baby Mario. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, I guess it would be Baby Mario, right? Because they are, they, they basically are us, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I mean, coming off, they, they, they are coming off, I think, what seems to be a pretty scrappy, high-intensity draw against New England in midweek. So they will be playing on short rest, having played most of your starting 11, by the looks of it. So... You know, I think I'm going to color discussion of this game, particularly with the the first question we have in the mailbag, right? Uh, from Ed Ritter. Thanks for your question, Ed. I think uh, the question goes... I should have pulled this up beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so the fact that RVNY is ninth in the combined table and the Worms are 21st means an easy dub, right? Um, you know, I think if today's game in midweek is anything to go off of, you know, like the union look a bit scattered right now, right? And I mean, of course, uh, not the brightest start to the season, only three goals in five games while also dealing with CCL. And they are a pretty shallow team, right? Not a lot of depth here, right? What it did, it, one of their defenders goes down, the next man up is Aurelian Colin. Yes. You heard that right. Yeah. <laughs> please, so please, this is please. where we are, folks, right? But, you know, like, not to discredit them, right? Because I do think that there is talent on this team. But again, you know, like we said before, Toronto, like, this is a team that's on short rest, as good as they are. And even though they're playing at home, right, it's still on two days. Right, we had a whole week to prepare for this, and we have shown that we can play at a very, very high intensity. You know that plays into our hands again, right? Like maybe uh, that plays into our hands again, basically. Um, I would be a bit annoyed if we don't come away with something. I think, at the very least, considering that they are on short rest and probably maybe won't be able to keep up with the intensity of our breaths over a 90 minute period but you know i mean uh stupid things tend to happen in philadelphia <laughs> like the el senior hat trick right oh like, uh, well lucky, see, luckily I, for us uh el senior is is out until june well, thank fuck for that. So I don't, I don't know if I don't know if Philly can like wrap, uh, do like a, a cheesesteak, but instead put like horse placenta in it and just rub it on his leg. But I don't think, I think he'll be out for this game. Okay, um, so that's um, good, I guess. And of course, uh, CJ Sapong is uh, gone as well. So uh, yeah. shout out to everybody who was on that 2017 road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Lost oh, to a CJ Sapong hat trick. Oh my god, oh, that was that that was painful, man. Like yeah, but like like you, like you were saying earlier, yeah. They just looking at this team that just played against New England. This is like a, as as first choice eleven as they can get. Um, of guy, it's really weird. Curtin only made two substitutions. Like I had to double check, but like only two players went in. Um, so most of the guys uh-huh. on this team went ninety. Most of the the back line. The first choice back line, Mbizo, Glesnis, Elliott, 
uh, Kai Wagner all went 90. Um, Bedoya went 90. Flack went 90. Jamiro Montero went 90. Shabilko went 90. Sergio Santos came out in the 58th minute. Uh, I I imagine, so I think uh, Brujo Martinez is still serving his red card suspension for like doing an MMA style elbow on some oh, yeah. player for <laughs> New York City Tell FC. Um, which honestly I don't blame him, but, uh, you can't do that. You're going to have to spend some time off. You can't Um, do it on Anton Turner home though. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, so of the guys that they have left, I don't know. I mean, they have, yeah, it's, 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 uh, of the options that they have, I don't know. Anthony Fontana, Corey Burke. Yeah. It's either going to be a huge rotation or they're going to trot out some really, really tired guys. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you, you, you have to consider, right? Like, that is a game that we can take, right? With the intensity that we like to play at. I mean, like, I I unfortunately have to put on my Hardo hat again here. But look, we have to cream them in this context. And But in a way, it's going to be the most stern test, I think, of Struber's, uh, you know, um, tenure so far, right? I mean, I think, uh, you know, I mean... Because this is a team that's basically built in our image that we're going up against, right? Again. So um, I think the ability to deal with... this is Yeah, I mean, it's the ability to deal with a team that really rode the system, like a high-pressing system, to pretty good success. Bringing home their trophy, their first ever trophy last year, right? Like, kind of goes to show, you know, I mean, like, even though they are in a bit of a, you know, a depleted state, uh, the workload of their starting 11 is going to be a bit in question. Like, this is still a team that you have to, that's going to be presenting quite stern resistance at home. And if we can put on a good showing against them, you know, I mean, it's going to be yet another um, great little feather, I think, in Struber's cap so far, right? To basically say that, yes, we understand that you wanted to be Red Bull, but now I will show you what Red Bull looks like, (laughs) (laughs) which would be pretty sick, right? So um, I think the big wild card for me, I think, going into this game is whether or not Klimala's ready, right? And, you know, I think it was like a shot in the veins. You know, like like an understated thing about the Toronto game is after, you know, the whole uh, nice little bit of uh, shit posting that we did, that the team just came on and said, oh, wait, we want to, somebody has something to say. And then we heard, <laughs> hello, guys, Patrick is here. <laughs> like, I'm like, yes. 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 <laughs> it was like me pressed up against the window going like, yes, yes. <laughs> Patrick is here and like I'm so happy, bros. Oh my god. He sounds like every guy who's ever told me to rush B on CSGO, you know, but I don't <laughs> care, man. Like <laughs> I don't care. So that's gonna be the wild card for me, right? Is is whether or not Klimala sees um minutes like almost immediately, you know, and I think um we talk about the striker roles. I think there's a bit less of a learning curve than you would otherwise see at some of the other positions in the system, like for the defenders especially, that I think he could be slotted in like almost immediately to, uh, you know, I think in a substitution role, I think would probably be what we see him as, you know, I think. um, So 
especially considering the fact that like our strikers just seem to be dropping like flies right now. I mean, like Brian White seemed to be nursing an injury last game, and I mean Tom Barlow picked up a pretty random injury uh, after the Chicago game, apparently. Um, so I mean, like great timing on that, right? If Klimal is truly, truly here, and of course, you know, um, it, Celtic were in season when uh, we bought him, so he is match fit, I think, comparatively. I don't know if he's Red Bull fit, but I would expect that he is at least match fit, right? Um, so that's what the big thing to look out for on our end, right? Like Patrick is here. <laughs> how he um, how he is deployed is going to be one thing. And, you know, like we've been saying, like finally, I mean, I do hope that this is the week that we get to see what he looks like with Fabio, right? I think those two will really bring the best out of each other. So I guess, you know, I guess that's the thing, like, you guys, how do you feel? Patrick is here. Yeah, I'm, ex- yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see, uh, to see what happens here, man. I mean, this isn't like, this isn't just like, you know, some 22 year old college graduate. This is someone who's got, I think, something like almost 140 professional appearances. He's about as experienced as a 22 year old as you can get. So, and on top of that, he's, you know, it's not like. His season had it; he hasn't started yet, or, or or anything like that. He should be relatively match fit. So, I feel like we're getting someone who is relatively match fit already. Who is a grown man, you know? He's 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 got experience. So, um, I I it's hard to say how long it's going to take for him to to kind of learn the system. But I feel like for strikers, it's not as complex as the midfielders. So, I mean, will he hit the ground running? I don't know. But I think, um, look, the sooner the sooner we, we, he get, he starts getting real minutes, the better. So even if it's just an off the bench twenty minute appearance, fine. Just just get him on. Just get him on there. See how he does in in in, uh, in a real game, and see how he does next to uh, next to Fabio, and and let's just see what happens. I'm super fucking excited though. This is like as close to a Polson Warner setup I think that we've had that we've ever had. Oh yeah, this is uh <coughs> I think we were all like leveling our expectations that we weren't going to see him until June and then he showed up on Twitter <laughs> last week like oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was, uh... and we're seeing him in training today. So like wishful thinking we see him on the bench and more wishful thinking that Philly plays either really tired guys or some teenagers and Patrick can go in with 20 minutes left to go and uh, just, just ruin their lives. Just like, like, like his highlight reel, just like that highlight reel goal against St. Johnston. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Someone tries to like, just break his legs and he just plows right through them. No, you don't don't understand. Patrick is here. (laughs) I told you Patrick is here means here. Boom. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like an understated aspect that is, right? I mean, I guess if you do have Drew Yearwood coming off the bench against tired legs to play things into space against two strikers who love to hunt the ball, I mean, like that works pretty well in our favor, I would say. You know, I mean, since I am kind of excited to see what that could yield. Um, yeah, I, I think. Um, to, to basically um, cut a long story short, um, this kind of changes the outlook of the team. You know, I think um, 
it especially changes the outlook I have going into this game, you know, but a lot of it is contingent on whether or not he, like you said, like he met, he manages to contribute immediately off the bat. And, you know, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on him, especially, right, considering the price tag and the designation that he came with. But, you know, um, it, it's a good A-side, I guess, to talk about this. But, you know, I think like a signing of his caliber, especially, right, like did so much to have people extend a ton of goodwill right towards this team for their actions off season and now people are going to be expecting that to pay off dividends and what what i've seen so far from the guys that we've brought in right all of the guys who have all the new signings i've played so far this season look like cash money right like game to game like some of our best performers right Andrew Gutman, Andrew Gutman, I should say. Um, you know, I think Yuba Diara in his 15-minute cameo at the start of the season before he uh, passed away, unfortunately, was uh, <laughs> really, really good as well. Um, you know, Frankie Amaya, obviously, um, Fabio. I mean, like, so far, the track record on these signings has been pretty good. You know, and now you have the only guy that they felt was worth, like, a proper commitment to in terms of his uh, designation and the, the fact that it's a permanent transfer for a mid $3 million fee, like, you know, I th- they they have to be pretty confident about the fact that this is a guy who's going to be like the final piece in the jigsaw, right? And in that sense, you know, I think it's earned the benefit of the doubt for me. You know, I think... I think this could be the thing that makes the whole thing click, right? Like you said, Fernando, it's going to probably going to ideally be the closest we see to a Poulsen Werner front line, you know? And it's why I think, you know, like in spite of everything, we have to beat Philadelphia is what it pulls down to. It's basically, I, I did a really nice long uh, scenic route just to come back to the point that I was really trying to make. We have to beat Philly on the road. You know, I think no excuses. I think we have the talents there. We should certainly come away with something. Have to be Philly under red. I don't know if it'd be an easy dub per se, but have to, right? I think uh, considering our quality, it wouldn't be good enough if we don't come away with something. Maybe I'm being unreasonable, but I feel like just kind of being back in my 2018 bullshit where I kind of expect to win every game. Yeah. Like I know I know it's not. <laughs> I know it's not going to happen, obviously, but I feel like seeing the team, uh, seeing the talent on the team starting to shine um, and seeing the tactics really starting to, to uh, you know, come into play and, and really taking shape and the team really kind of shaking off that, that preseason rust. This team is, I think, going to be quite a bit better than I thought they would this year. Um, <clears throat> I really think the ceiling is pretty high this year. And after seeing some of the teams, I haven't seen too many games, but I, I feel like I've seen enough enough games this season where the East, there's really no team in the East that scares me right now at all. <clears throat> I can't yeah, it's one. kind of a shit show, isn't it? To be honest. I mean, especially since yeah. MLS is just a shit show this year. I mean, like even more yeah. so than last year's fake season. Like... <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's a big reason why I feel like there's every game should be winnable, and it's not even like trying to be, like brag or or being boastful. I just I just feel like there's there's no team that's really like surprised me, no team that's been like oh okay so this is you know this is the the this is the team to watch this year kind of thing. 
I haven't seen that so <laughs> far. So I, I really think every game should be winnable. We're being told that 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 Columbus is a serious team, and they just lost to Chris Armis's Toronto two nil yeah. off goals yeah. by Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore. Yeah, like fuck off with that shit. I mean, look, yeah, Columbus won the the MLS Cup last year. It's a fucking fake season. I'm sorry, nothing about last season was real. No one, no one should take, no one should have takes about how good teams were last year and and apply that to this year. I'm sorry, they weren't even that. Columbus did look pretty good last year. I'm not going to lie, but again, it's a fake fucking season. This is a totally different year this year. Like why would anyone like bump their expectations as high as they were? That's just stupid. Yeah. I really do think drawing any definitive conclusions from last year is just being obtuse and ignorant of the context, like to like an almost like comical degree, really. I mean, I know some people are paid to provide definitive takes um, from last year's season. I mean, that's the nature of working for the league office. But if you do not work for the league office and you are saying anything definitive of, from based on last year, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, I don't know what else I have to say, really. Like, um, like A, you're not being paid. So please stop. Um, so, so please stop contributing, like, all these meaningless takes. Um, B and B, I mean, look, what season in this world is going to be stopped by a pandemic is going to have half of its, um, I guess a final standings determined by a really bizarre second preseason tournament that people were told kind of mattered, but actually really didn't. And then on top of that, like, um, not a whole fiasco about how to score things because, uh, you know, I mean, the conferences didn't even play each other. You know, I mean, uh, the deal is, is then on top of the fact is, is that the rest of the league, a lot of the league's best teams, like, either lost guys or haven't really brought in anyone too significant, right? And the ones who did, such as a certain FC Cincinnati, especially that a ton of money on that Brenner guy, still suck ass. Like, n- not a lot of teams in this league can definitively say that they've gotten better. But we, on the other hand, have, I think, right? Clearly, being out of the zone, very big, very big development in its own right. Um, And then on top of that, you have the fact that, um, yeah, I mean, on top of that, you have the fact that, you know, we still haven't put out, I think, a coherent 90-minute performance yet, but it's starting to come together, right? And we're starting to put out dominant halves, we're starting to show that we can, like, you know, have, we do have the capabilities of kind of creating goals from out of nothing. You know, I think, um, and most importantly, they look like they press like a Red Bull team. You know, I think slowly this team is showing week on week progress to the point where, to the point where I think they'll be able to put out coherent 90 minute performances. You know, I think, and, and that's why, you know, I'm totally with you there. It's, it's not being arrogant. It's not being boastful. It's just being real. Like, I don't think the rest of the league has improved. The quality of a play is definitely not as good this year. I don't think there's a real clear-cut number one team in the East, ignoring all the stupid ideological bullshit that the league office likes to push out. Like, don't, don't con yourselves, right? See it with your own two eyes. <laughs> so... Truly, I mean, I think it's basically it's it's there for us to take, and you know, I would like for us to do that by shitting all over Philadelphia and showing that Shieldy belongs to us. You know, it, it has to come home. 
yeah, I mean, I think that's all I really have to say about the Philadelphia game. Um, yeah, same. yeah. So let's uh, close out the episode, I guess, with the other question we have in the mailbag um, from longtime regular contributor to the show, Patrick Dawan. Thanks for your question, Pat. And I think this is pretty relevant to what we just talked about, right? With Klimala on board and in training, what does an ideal starting 11 look like for Gerhard Schruber? And if I'm going back to front, based on what I've seen so far and based on like uh, how the season has transpired, goalkeeper, <clears throat> Coronel, back four, Goodman, Nealis, Long, and Duncan, a midfield four of Davis, Clark, I want to say Yearwood over Caceres, actually, and mm. Amaya. I, and I think when all is said and done, this the, the top two are going to be Fabio and Klimala. You know, I think, uh, and, uh, you know, this is not considering the fact that, you know, I think uh, I, I, I have been pretty effusive about the fact that I think Yuba Diara could be a very, very good player. But, you know, the health is such a big question mark and he has to win his role back in the side. You know, I think uh, it would only be fair, I think, in that sense. Has to stay healthy and has to be able to show that he can contribute week to week because if it continues to be a crock, right, kind of no point, like, penciling him into uh, – writing his name and permanent marker into the starting 11. He's got to have to earn his spot back at this point. Why Caceres to the bench? You know, I think, you know, he hasn't done anything egregiously bad yet um, to really warrant being dropped. But I think we have faster and more, you know, useful options, I think, uh, than him. And, you know, I think Yearwood's playmaking capabilities in addition to how quickly he closes people down, adds an extra dimension to that midfield that I think could really start to open up a lot of possibilities and combinations, you know. Um, of course, I think, uh, you know, I mean, Klimala is hopefully, I mean, like, would be a massive upgrade over White and Barlow, who I think are perfectly serviceable <clears throat> backup strikers in context of the league. So, you know. When I, when I say it all out loud like that, you know, it really sounds like such a scary team. I mean, it's the same thing with why Duncan's at right back, right? I mean, we haven't seen Edwards yet. And the way that he's played since Edwards has showed up, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I'm starting to be not so bullish. I'm wanting to see Edwards now, but I would like to see Edwards at some point. I just wish he didn't take number seven as a right back. That oh. is a bit <laughs> egregious. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean that's. I, I think you pretty much nailed it. That's that's definitely what I think my starting level would be. Def, I really didn't think Nealis would be, um, <laughs> would be my uh, uh, my pick for the starting eleven. But I mean, he he's actually kind of done well. He's 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 been fine. I really don't have any too many complaints, uh, especially the last couple of games. Um, yeah, I would imagine you know Fabio and Patrick are going to be the starters up top. I would definitely put in Yearwood in over uh, over what's his name, and yeah, I guess kind of wait and see what happens with Edwards. He's such a unknown at this point; we have no idea what to expect. And I guess the fact that like he doesn't even have a buy, you know, uh, an option. Like he's he's straight up just alone for the year. 
I guess I'm less inclined to kind of care what happens. I mean, if he ends up being better, awesome, like play him. But like I said earlier, it's it's definitely good to see Duncan showing a bit of a different uh, different look to his game, and he he looks like like a very different player the last couple of games. So if Edwards ends up being an awesome player, fantastic. That's that's two two you know two two players uh, in one spot that are going to have to fight it out. So yeah, like, like you said, man, when when you start going down the list of guys, man, we have a good team. We have a good team that that was clearly built for for a purpose. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it would be one of the funniest things ever if uh, Tom Edwards comes here for a year on loan and just doesn't play at all. <laughs> Basically, it's like, it's like a gap year in the United States, right? <laughs> comes back, he goes back to England, to uh, the northeast of England, Old Tan and shit. Be like, like, oh yeah, it was good. I mean, <laughs> got to lie down. <laughs> All that I didn't play you know, that much, but uh, I did go to Edison, New Jersey, got some fire curry one night. <laughs> some like, doses know, that were out of this world. You know, you know, the breakfast sandwich, you know, they have this thing called Taylor ham. I really <laughs> like it. And then suddenly, like, there's a knock on the door in some South Jersey. It's like, did you just call pork roll Taylor ham? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, that would be something, eh? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think that's basically what we're looking at here. I think that would probably be the reasonable best starting 11. Um, it also kind of reminds me, I guess as an A side to close out the episode that this is probably the most orthodox, uh, we've had the squad numbers be in quite some time. I mean, oh, yeah. big lad wearing number nine and fast lad wearing number 10. I mean, Sam Allardyce is fucking crying tears in heaven right now. <laughs> well, actually, no, that's not true because that's not really what Allardyce does, right? It's actually really just one big lad up top. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got who, who, who was Sunderland manager when Niall Quinn and Kevin Phillips were there starting um, strikers again? I don't know. Was that, was that Martin O'Neill Sunderland or am I diverging too much? I, I think, uh, yeah, never mind. I'm not going to divulge too much into that. No, we're going to have to look into that. Um, yeah, uh, Clem- <clears throat> interesting to see Clem a lot wear the number 10 because I don't think this league uh, has a lot of number 10s as pure strikers. I think it's mostly uh, guys who are... Uh, more uh, creative. I'm doing air quotes, but like, uh, you know, people like South American style number 10s, not English uh, striker number 10s. Thanks, Matthew Doyle. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, you can play in Sector 16 or whatever the fuck you want. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no that, that, that's the thing, actually. You know, I mean, like, I think um, what South American 10 brain poisoning is such a real thing in MLS, right? <laughs> Like yeah, uh, they expect yeah. some new Pibe de Oro like almost every year. And I think it's pretty cool how we're just going out and buying like giant shit houses from a Europe. That's just going to shit all over these fools. You know I mean? Like <laughs> even the Brazilian guys, we signed a goalkeeper and a really tall striker. Yeah. I mean, that's vicious. Get fucked. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think we really need to have a reliance on like a talismanic, like Central South American playmaker as we had in the past, anyway. Um, but you know, I mean, I think when you look at the quality that's on this team right now, I think a certain uh, man in Saudi Arabia is probably like kicking himself right now. I'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I could have passed to all these guys. <laughs> 
That's the way the cookie crumbles, man. But I mean, he's he's bawling out for uh, El Daun, so it's okay, man. Just enjoy your Aid, is what I would say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that does about does it here on uh, episode 42 of the Metro Fan TV rundown. Uh, we discussed the meaning of life, and it turns out that the meaning of life is energy drink soccer, as coached by Gerhard Schuber, based on how effusive we were to start the episode. So... I guess um, closing thoughts, gentlemen. Any parting shots you'd like to give? It's so clear. It's so sharp like a knife in this moment. Hey, <laughs> I, man. Like, like he, he's only been in two All Access videos and he's already provided us a lifetime of quotes, man. What a fucking guy. Yeah. What a fucking <laughs> guy. Truly, truly, po- truly. Positive vibes, man. Positive, good, positive vibes. Yeah. T- team good vibes only 2021. I, I think that's solely what I am, you know. Oh, uh, man. I want to win every duel now. <laughs> All my first, <laughs> all my first balls, all my first headings, I will win them for you, Gerhard. I'll, I'll walk into, I'll walk into work, I'll just like fucking like barrage like a, the the entire sales force, and be like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you body slamming me? It's like Gerhard told me to. I have to win all my duels. <laughs> <laughs> I have Sorry, to I achieve my, have to achieve my ambition goals. Yeah, my. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, if uh, if, if it turns out I'm unemployed next week, uh, thank you, Mr. Schuber, for helping me unlock my final form. So that being said, (laughs) Metrofan TV, uh, we'll see you during the Philadelphia game. Juan, Fernando, thanks for your time once again. Thank you. Yes, and we shall see you next week. Adios, and salamat hari raya. Good night.